Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Zach Lowe of ESPN came out with his league pass rankings for the upcoming NBA season. And, of course, number one is the San Antonio Spurs with Victor Wembanyama. But the last team on the list, according to watchability and fun, was the Washington Wizards. And I completely disagree. We're going to have Jordan Poole, Kyle Kuzma, Danny Avdia, Corey Kispert. Uh, We should be a young, fun team that I think is going to score a lot of points. Now, will we play defense or will we win games? I don't know. But I can't believe you put the Wizards last place in watchability. We'll break that down later on on the show today. But right now, it's time to go around the NFL. And joining us on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, it's Mark Schofield. What's going on, Mark? What's going on, Adam? How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. So what is the latest injury news that you're hearing in the National Football League? I believe we've heard Anthony Richardson probably done for the year. Yeah, Anthony Richardson likely done for the year. It's not definitive yet, but there is reported out there, and Jim Arce talked about it as well, that he might need surgery, which would shut him down for the season, which is a bitter pill for both the young quarterback and the Colts as an organization because the main thing that Richardson needed was reps. He needed starts. He needed live game action because he didn't get a ton of it at Florida. And if he does indeed miss the rest of the season, that's going to set his development back. And he's a young, promising quarterback that needed that game time, game action, and those starts. So that would be a, a big blow to that organization. Trevor Lawrence, Jacksonville, is set to play Thursday night. Now, he was seen at practice today wearing a knee brace. He's considered day-to-day, but that's going to be a tough, tight timetable for him to come back and play with that game Thursday night against the Saints. And So that's certainly one to watch. And then, of course, down the road a little bit, Aaron Rodgers, everybody saw, you know, he's on the sidelines of MetLife. You know, he's throwing a little bit before the game. Is there a chance? that they get him back before the season ends. It would be a big leap for him to go from, you know, the Achilles injury in the fourth play of the season to come back. But he said he wants to come back early. If that team keeps themselves in the playoff hunt, he'd probably push even harder to come back. So that's more of a long-term injury, but certainly something to watch. Yeah, I I mean, I even saw that they were giving Rodgers credit for the win, saying he put the headset on and was helping them call plays. It's going to be interesting to watch that feel like every time I have you on the show, I've got to ask you my typical AFC North question. Who's going to win that division? I picked Baltimore at the beginning of the year. I'm sticking with it. But, man, the Bengals have looked better. The Browns got a big win. The Steelers are still 3-2. and two. What are your thoughts on the AFC North? Yeah, it remains, Adam, it remains one of the more fascinating, if not the most fascinating division in football because I, I think you could – and we went into this season, right? I know you and I had this discussion – where you could make a case for any of those four teams that I think were still kind of there. You know, the Steelers, maybe they have the weakest case because, you know, they haven't looked good at times. That offense has a lot of questions. Offensive coordinator Matt Canada remains in the hot seat. But you look at their schedule. It's a very favorable schedule. Mike Tomlin has found ways to win games. That defense is good. So they could keep themselves in the mix. Cleveland, that was a statement win over the 49ers. That defense is by I know almost any metric, the best defense in football right now. They got it done against with the team that everybody considered myself included the best team in the NFL a week ago today. That's a huge win with that defense. They'll keep themselves in the mix. Baltimore, you know, still a fan of what they're doing offensively. I know it hasn't come together as quickly as people would like, but they find ways to win games. Lamar Jackson remains a dynamic talent. And then we have the Cincinnati Bengals after their 
0-2 start. Burrow's hurt. People wondered, should they sort of tank? Should they sit Burrow down? They're back to 3-3. Three three. They got their bye. They have a very tough stretch coming up at it. They play some really good teams. Started with those 49ers when they come back from their bye. But with the way that Burrow has started to sort of feel a little bit better, move around a little better in the pocket, and you look at what their defense did this past week against, against Seattle with the pressure they can get for four. If you're thinking about, oh, a blueprint to beat San Francisco, get in pressure with four is a good place to start. Hendricks and Hubbard, they got it done against Seattle. Could that continue against San Francisco? So all four teams have a case. I still think Cincinnati is going to find a way, but this looks like to be a fun division. Six weeks into the season, it looks like the NFC North might already be wrapped up with the Lions being at 5-1. and one. What are your expectations for the Lions? I remain very high on the Lions because they find different ways to win games, which is something I always appreciate from a team. One game didn't look that great against Tampa Bay this weekend, so what do they do? You know, Jared Goff goes out and throws for over 300 yards. You know, they find ways to get it done in the passing game. That defense has a couple of different ways they can get after you on the defensive side of the ball. But their schedule is extremely favorable because they get Baltimore this week, then they get Raiders, Chargers, Bears, Packers, Saints, Bears, Broncos, Vikings, Cowboys, Lions. That's their schedule the rest of the way. You think how, and, uh, we were having this discussion at SB Nation earlier this week. They'll be the underdog in what? Maybe two of those games? You know, maybe the Baltimore and Dallas games because they're the road team in both of those. The rest of the way, they could really put together a bunch of wins down the stretch. And so when you contrast that with where the rest of the division looks right now, Minnesota struggling, yep. Chicago struggling, Green Bay struggling. Yeah, it seems like this division is theirs. And with that schedule, they can make a very deep run. Mark Schofield with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Let's talk trade talk in the National Football League. Trade deadline two weeks from today. Uh, we thought maybe Kirk Cousins would be traded. It seems like he's going to have, um, have that no trade clause be an issue. Um, you know, maybe that Cincinnati will look to trade for someone. Uh, I've heard Cleveland in the hunt as well. I mean, what do you think? Are there going to be any splash trades before the deadline? It's hard to see splash trades. I mean, you wonder what Atlanta does. You know, uh, what are the Falcons going to do about the quarterback position? Because, you know, Desmond Ritter, you know, another up-and-down performance, mostly down this past week, the three interceptions. This is a team that has talent around the quarterback position. But, you know, trying not to read into body language, but it seemed like Arthur Smith was very frustrated with his young quarterback. Now, maybe they forge ahead, but you wonder – you know, did they make a move? I saw a piece in the Athletics suggested that maybe Justin Fields could land in Atlanta because you wonder, does Chicago decide, look, we're going to move on from Justin Fields anyway. We might have the first two picks in the draft. That's how it would shake out if the draft happened right now. So maybe they decide, look, we'll get something in return for Justin Fields. Maybe that would be a landing spot. Obviously, with Arthur Smith in place, you wonder. I know he was hurt this past weekend, but Ryan Tannehill, those two worked well together in Tennessee would Ryan Tannehill be an option for them? You wonder about that. Then you wonder about teams that might be sort of in seller mode. And you look at New England, of course. They're struggling. Now they get Buffalo and Miami the next two weeks. One in five looks like it could be one in seven by the time we get to Halloween. Do they move players like Josh Uche, a pass rusher who's entering a contract year? Maybe a team like Jacksonville, for example, that could use one more pass rusher to make a run. Maybe that's a player you could see moved. But a splash trade, somebody big, like you mentioned, Kirk Cousins, since he's not going to waive that no-trade clause, it doesn't seem like that will happen. But you might see minor moves like those two as we get ahead towards this deadline. 
Mark Schofield here with us on the hotline. Read his work online, SBNation.com. Follow him on social media, at Mark Schofield. So the Commanders bounce back with a win against the Falcons, but a, a typical Jack Del Rio defensive game. Bend but don't break. They give up 406 yards uh, defensively to the Falcons, but they get three turnovers and a couple stops in the red zone to get the win. Yeah, and it's interesting to use that phrase out of bed, but don't break, because we're seeing this now league-wide. Scoring is down. Scoring was certainly down last week. I think only three teams scored more than 24 points. Scoring in the red zone and red zone touchdown rate, it's down league-wide. It's down, you know, the most it's been in recent years. I I think it's down because quarterback play is down, Mark. I think think they go hand-in-hand. Yeah, I mean, I think quarterback play is down is certainly a part of it. I think offensive lines are beat up, yeah. you know, and you start thinking about offensive line depth. I mean, look at the Philadelphia Eagles. That's one team. They were third last year in red zone touchdown percentage. They have dropped to a bottom 10 team, I think, in red, in red zone touchdown percentage. You see what happens, right? Lane Johnson goes down. Now you have Jack Gristle come in. He had some up and down moments in that game against the Jets, and one of those led to an interception from Jalen Hurts because, you know, he gave up a pressure and Hurts got hit as he throws. So, I think bend but don't break. You used to sort of give it a negative connotation, right? You're giving up a ton of yards. Fantasy players don't like defenses that are giving up tons of yards and things like that. But in today's NFL, that might be the way. You know, give up some yardage, but, you know, you know, it's toughen when you get down to the red zone. It worked for Washington against Atlanta. You had a disastrous red zone interception from Desmond Ritter. You know, you get enough out of the passing game and spread the ball around. Still got to protect Sam Howell a little bit more. That's been an issue. Again, speaks to offensive line woes around the league. But a win is a win. You take it and you move on. Mark, always appreciate you taking the time, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much, Adam. Have a good week. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910, The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for the Hokies. Virginia Tech got a big win against Wake Forest, got the week off before they face off against Syracuse. We'll talk a little Hokies with Mike Barber coming up in about 15 minutes. He'll join us to go around the ACC. But an interesting hypothetical, wanted to put it out there. Which box seats would you want to be in? Last night you had... Monday Night Football between the Chargers and the Cowboys, and you also had the playoff baseball game. In one of these box seats, Stubb, you had LeBron and Jay-Z at the NFL game. Unlimited beer, hanging out with LeBron and Jay-Z. In the other game, the baseball game in the box seats, you had Travis and Jason Kelsey. Who would you rather hang out with right now? Uh, gotta gotta be Jay-Z. Really? Yeah, I, I don't care about... The, the Kelsey brothers. <laughs> maybe See, if maybe if Taylor was there. Right? If it'd be it'd be different. I, I've always thought Travis was cool. I'd want to drink a beer with him. Jason Kelsey always crushes beers. I'm so out on LeBron. He just seems so boring. Uh, I was watching him give his picks on Instagram on Sunday for the NFL, and he's just like so disinterested. And I'm like, well, why are you going live here? You're not even paying attention. I just think LeBron would be so boring to speak with. I, I think just down the line to say you talk to them to talk to, the, yeah. to LeBron and Jay Z. It's it's a lot, like especially like five years from now. Yeah, that's going to be a bigger flex. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Uh, but there was also an interesting story at the NFL game uh, because it was the home of the LA Chargers, and this sweet lady was caught on TV celebrating hard, and she was very nervous for her LA Chargers, and it led some people to believe that she was a plant. Now I'll say this, all right. 
They were once in San Diego. All right, now they're in L.A., so it's not like they moved across the country. It could make sense that she could have been a diehard San Diego fan. Now she's going to L.A. as a season ticket holder. But some people believe that she was cheering too hard for her to be a real Chargers fan. I, I think she's a plant. Okay, what's, I, the, I, what's the story that you read up on? So it 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 just... Every all the evidence is that she was being shown a lot, a lot. Like they kept yes. panning to her in the game. I, I did think not... it's because she was like a, a sweet older Asian lady, and you know she was just like so into the game. She's not that old. I'm looking at her. I've, I thought I'm looking... she was probably mid forties. Mid mid forties. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just this this level of reaction that we're getting. And I I do think that there's a good chance that if it was a guy, this wouldn't be a story at all. Right. I think that it being a woman is is making a lot of people And she was, be if you have not seen the images or the gifts, she was losing her mind yeah. when the Chargers didn't get it on third down and then did convert on fourth down, right? She was animated. Yeah. Animated. And yeah. and people are pointing out it's a it's a brand new fresh uniform she's wearing. Brand new. And the Chargers have already pulled the bit this year where they had robots at their game to promote the creator. That I mean it's not it doesn't cost a lot of money to get someone to do this, so especially you, in why LA. Why do you think they would have a plan? Like what what is what's the benefit? Well, from what I'm reading, because yeah. obviously I'm not as into the NFL world, is that there's not a lot of Chargers fans out there. Is what is that is that a fair case? Yeah, I mean, I think you could say that. I mean, if there were enough Chargers fans, they'd still be in San Diego, right? Yeah, so hiring, you're in L.A. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are going to act for money. Yeah. Oh, so you think maybe she's an extra? Yeah. We could an see extra, her on an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, she's an week. actress, probably a barista, you know. Really? And, and you know, you, you pull them off the street, you, you get like 10 people, and you say... Can you seem like this is a fun group to can be a part of? Can you seem like your life you, <laughs> depends on the Chargers can, can victory? Can you seem like being a Chargers fan is something to strive for? The and, the image of of her were so funny because she's just like like she. You know what? I think it, I think it just went viral because a lot of us felt like oh that's what we look like when we watch games, <laughs> right? And um, I do think they were putting on TV a lot because it was a female, right? You don't usually see yeah. females losing their mind in an NFL game. Uh, maybe the fact that she was an Asian woman had something to do with it as well. Uh, I thought she she looked like a cute lady that was just like losing her mind, and I believe it was real. And I, I <laughs> are you a conspiracy theorist not, over there? <laughs> on some things, yeah. Not 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 important ones. All right. Unimportant conspiracies are my favorite. Like this, yeah. Love it. And there's just like a lot of people are with me on Twitter. A I lot know. of people a are with of, me. And it's because she she almost looked like a robot the way she was so into it. It was I, just it kind of seemed fake. I bet that they pulled a lot like they hired like I don't know like 20 people to do this and she was just giving the best performance. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. they slipped her a little bonus I'm, check at the I'm end. I'm going to say she's real. Here's another football story. You tell me if you think it's real or not, okay? Terrell Owens is back in the news because according to TMZ and police, he was in a basketball game, pickup basketball game, argued with an opponent. The opponent, I guess, got into his car and then struck Terrell Owens with his car on Monday night because he got into a tiff with the former NFL star. All right, here's what law enforcement tells TMZ Sports. And TMZ's almost always right with these things. All right. Uh, Owens had been hooping in the Calabasas area where he apparently got into an argument with someone else on the court. We're told following the game, the man who had been beefing with the NFL legend got into a car, drove that vehicle onto the court, and right into the former wide receiver's knee. Thankfully, cops say Owens did not require medical attention. Wow. 
That's a wild story. Law enforcement says officers took a report for the assault with a deadly weapon being his car. Uh, no arrests have been made. Owens, of course, has been involved in several similar bizarre incidents since his retirement. 2022, he got into an argument with a female neighbor that led to criminal charges for the woman. And then later that year, he was involved in a fist fight with a heckler outside of a CVS. Seems like anywhere Terrell Owens goes, he causes drama. His trash talk game must be unbeaten. Yeah, I know. He, <laughs> what is he saying? He's got to be like to top car. of the line. I know. It's it's wild. Because I always think about, I think it's white men can't jump where they pissed off the guy. He immediately went to his car and he grabbed a gun, right? You're always scared of something like that uh, when you're playing pickup. But to get your car, to drive the car onto the court, and then you're like freewheeling trying to yeah, tackle that... Terrell Owens with your car. <laughs> that's that's That takes skill, too. Yeah. You know what he must have done? He must have like just jammed it on them and then pushed the guy to the ground, said, yeah, and your mama's ugly, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. It must have been a your mama joke gone wrong. And, and he must have been, the, the attacker must have been decently enough afraid to pick a fight with him. Yeah. To, to go to his car. And and he took time. He stewed on it, too. Yeah. Like, he didn't get in his car, go, this is a bad idea. So which, was, of these, which of these stories do you think is more real? T.O. getting hit with his car or the lady at the Chargers? That sounds real to me. All right. I, 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 I'd believe someone hit someone with a car over is, a game of is basketball. Is Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift's relationship real? Yeah, I think so. I mean... I, I've talked to my were, sources. I, I saw a source that said that... They, so did you see they went on Saturday Night Live or Travis did? They were there did together. Not. Yeah, he was. He only said one word, so it was like a lame performance. But apparently at the SNL after party, they were seen like making out and holding hands. This is a real relationship. My my, my sources, my friends who are Taylor Swift fans, big yeah. time. They, Swifties, the Swifties, yeah. the Swifties in my life are 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 saying it's real. Yeah, they're saying it's good for good I, for her. I always <laughs> thought it was real. Now, do I think it's going to last? Hell no. No, it's not going to last. No. <laughs> it's not going to last. But at this point in their lives, it's working and yeah. good for them. It'll probably you know? last the season. Do you think they text each other back and forth, meow? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he sends that text? <laughs> Is that how he picked up Taylor Swift? I bet, I bet Travis texts meow. Yeah. I, I, I don't think Taylor does. He's probably got really good text game. I could, yeah, I could just I could, tell. I could see that. I, I could see, see that. that. I mean, he and he's had a lot of success, successful relationships. I don't like how his ex-girlfriend was coming out and trashing him. Like, I didn't move see on already. Yeah, she was she was trying to tell Swifties that your your girl is with the cheater. He's a cheater. Well, turns out she was cheating on him, too. Uh, They're both cheating on each so, other. It's uh, <laughs> not monogamy. That's what that's not. All right, I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. And this Saturday at 6.30 p.m. on everybody's favorite network to watch football, the CW. You'll have UVA at North Carolina. Joining us right now to go around the ACC from the Richmond Times-Dispatch, it's Mike Barber. What's going on, Mike? Good to talk to you, man. Absolutely. So let's start with uh, what I think is the best game of the weekend in the ACC and that is Clemson against Miami. Now, Duke-Florida State's going to be a good one, too, but Clemson and Miami, both teams, um, you know, 4-2 and two on the year. Miami, 0-2 oh in the ACC. It's going to be hard for them to recover from that mistake by head coach Mario Cristobal a couple weeks ago. 
Clemson, I don't think that they've looked nearly as good as how I expected them to look this year. How do you think that game plays out 8 p.m. on the ACC Network? Yeah, it's really interesting, right, because it's a game of two teams that can't afford to lose. Yeah. Um, and that makes it really intriguing. I mean, everybody's going to love, you know, undefeated battles, and you know, Penn State, Ohio State. But there, there is an energy when you've got two teams that had high expectations, which both Clemson and Miami did, uh, that suffered some losses that, you know, in Clemson's case, I think was, was more uh, humbling in nature of, okay, maybe we're not on this, this level we thought we were. And Miami, you mentioned, I mean, just sort of dropping the ball uh, figuratively and, and literally uh, with a chance to close out games. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I think Clemson is playing much better football. I've certainly been impressed with Tyler Van Dyke and, and what he's been able to do in that offense way more comfortable than a year ago, what they were doing with Josh Gaddis as the coordinator. I think they've found a system that works for Van Dyke, but uh, I think Clemson is starting to round into form. When I say that, they're rounding into Clemson 2023 form. So yeah. it's still not national power, but good enough to get themselves back in the picture for the ACC title game. So I like Clemson in this one, even though it's on the road. Speaking of Clemson, I just saw they only beat Wake Forest 17-12. to That's got to make Hokies fans feel real good about their win over Wake. Yeah, yeah. the transitive property starts to fall apart sometimes in these games. But, but Wake it hasn't been what we thought they would be. Clemson hasn't been what they thought we thought they would be. Uh, Miami hasn't been what we thought they would be. You know, really, Florida State uh, and North Carolina right now are the only two teams that are delivering on what we thought they would be. I think Duke is exceeding what we thought they would be. I think Pittsburgh's been a disappointment. So it's been a little topsy-turvy in the ACC, but – uh, when you get to the top of the league, I mean, I, I do think Florida State and Carolina uh, are, are legit. So uh, this Clemson-Miami game is very much, though, two teams that are trying to keep themselves relevant. Mike Barber with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Writes about the ACC for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Also, the Teal and Barber podcast talking all things ACC can be found on iTunes and Spotify. And I got to give a shout-out to David Teal when I spoke with him at ACC kickoff, he said the the biggest name that I'm looking forward to watching for Virginia Tech is Jalen Lane because I think he can turn on the Jets, and he did turn on the Jets over the weekend at a 75-yard touchdown, a big reason for the Hokies' 30-13 to win. Yeah, their offense has really transformed with, with uh, Kyron Drones at quarterback, and you know Jalen Lane was a little bit under the radar because Ali Jennings was the guy who was supposed to be playing that role uh, coming in. The ODU transfer, the Richmond kid, uh, he got injured, probably out for the year. I know they say they're they're holding out hope that Jennings can come back, and Lane has really uh, stepped to the forefront. And you know it's a good one-two punch with Daquan Felton and Jalen Lane. Felton kind of an over-the-top, runs the deep post, can get behind the defense. And you know, Lane, to me, is more of a guy who can take a short pass a long way and, and make the offense explosive that way. So uh, we've really seen some signs of life in, in the throw game. Drones has done something with his feet running the ball. Uh, I think Virginia Tech, again, I'm not saying they're going to win an ACC title, but I think Virginia Tech is another team that is kind of finding itself here within the season. Yeah, I think after the last few weeks, the last few performances, I can pat myself on the back and say, you know what, I think I was right to say that Kyron Drones should have started the season for the Hokies. He's just opened up the offense completely because of his ability to run. Now they can set up some play-action passes, and it's also led some holes for Tootin uh, in the running game as well. So the offense has just been a completely different story the last few weeks. 
It really has. And, and, you know, all of this stems from the fact that they thought they were going to be better on the offensive line. They thought they were going to be better running the football. And it didn't happen. And drones has been the answer to correct that because the reality is they're not going to get a ton better on the offensive line as the year goes. They're going to improve week to week. Uh, certainly they, they've done some things. They had some guys in and out with injuries. Um, but what's transformed the run game has been drones. And in doing so, it's opened up the passing game, and it's made them a much more dangerous team. And, and the pit win looking even better after they uh, stopped Louisville from going undefeated this season. Uh, oh, so Hokies have a week off. Over to UVA. They travel to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, to take on the undefeated Tar Heels at UNC. I mean, the line is minus 23.5 for UNC. Uh, what's your take on this ballgame? Yeah, I don't know if that line's big enough. Um, <laughs> and I think, you know, Virginia has gotten better. I mean, they found some things in their offensive line and with their run game. And uh, I think Tony Musket is a better quarterback to lead a, a total offense at this point. And, and all of those things are great. And, you know, they're getting a little bit healthier on the defensive side of things. I think Cam Robinson, the linebacker, is becoming a star. Uh, the freshman playing inside there with his speed and his athleticism. All that said, this is a terrible matchup for them. I mean, North Carolina has the balance. They've been able to protect Drake May. Drake May is really rounding into form in terms of being the best quarterback in the conference. I think he's got 12 touchdowns against four interceptions. Uh, don't quote me, but it's close to that if I'm wrong. You've got Hampton, the running back, who's really made them balance. And balanced. <laughs> Sometimes people talk about a balanced offense. And it doesn't mean you're good on offense just because you're balanced, right? But they are good running the football, and they can be explosive. Uh, and they are good throwing the football, and they can be explosive. And the addition of Tez Walker, which, you know, shame on the NCAA for not getting that done sooner. But his addition, I mean, three touchdowns in his first start, you're realizing just how big an impact that kid can have. So I really like this North Carolina team. I hope they're able to get into the ACC title game. Uh, I, I think that is the best-case scenario for the ACC, Florida State and North Carolina playing well and, and meeting each other. Yep, and Florida State 4-0 in the conference, 6-0 overall, and they face off against Duke, 7-30 on ABC. Uh, I'm looking ahead at Florida State's schedule here. Can they, uh, can they go undefeated in the ACC, lose the final game of the season to Florida, and still be in the college football playoff, you think? It's going to be interesting, and some of that may have to do with what Florida does from here on out. Yeah. Um, you know, that game's at Florida. It's a rivalry game. And if Florida has put together a respectable season, I'm not saying they need to, to totally turn things on, uh, then yes, I, I, think, I think Florida State can, uh, assuming they are impressive in the ACC title game. Um, it would be interesting. I think the problem here, if you're looking at Florida State, is you look at their schedule and there's that LSU win, which was, you know, great and, and dominant. LSU was five at the time, and then LSU has struggled. Now yeah. LSU's getting it back together, and, and if LSU puts things together and ends up having a respectable year, that helps. Same thing with Clemson, right? You say, wow, they went into Clemson and won, and that really was the tipping of power in the ACC. Okay, but not so fast because Clemson's struggling this year. So I think that's the case here. You need LSU to really put things together. They're trending in the right direction. You need Clemson to really put things together. They're trending in the right direction. You need Miami to stay respectable and go win that game. And you need Florida to be in a good spot where a loss to them in the swamp 
uh, isn't crippling. Yeah, it's wild how many undefeated teams you still have. JMU, Air, Air Force, UNC, Penn State, Oklahoma, Washington, FSU, Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia. Who are your top four teams that you'd like to see in the college football playoff? Yeah, it's tough because I can't split hairs right now. I've got Georgia number one, yep. but I've got Ohio State and Michigan. If I could vote them both number two uh, on my ballot, I would. <laughs> that, that's how close it is. Then I have Florida State number four. I would love to see those four get it. Now, that's not very realistic because Ohio State's got Penn State, and then Ohio State and Michigan are going to play each other. And, yeah. You know, that's going to sort itself out. Um, the third spot's going to be what's interesting to me. I think Georgia gets it done and gets there. I think Florida State gets it done and gets there. I think the winner of Ohio State and Michigan gets it done and gets there. Who gets that last spot? And um, to me, where we sit right now, it's going to be the next team in the Big Ten, whether that's the loser of Ohio State, Michigan, whether that's Penn State. Yeah. Um, to me, from what I've seen, that's the next best team. Um, but, you know, we've went all that way, and I've completely left out the Pac-12, yeah. right? And, and what a game they delivered with Washington, Oregon. The Pac-12 to me just feels like they're very good, but they have a chance to knock each other off a lot more um, in crippling ways. And I think maybe we saw that in Oregon, Washington, and I think we'll see that again and again in that conference. Yeah, I mean, Penn State certainly has their their season in front of them at Ohio State this weekend, and then Indiana, Maryland, and then Michigan. So those are the two big battles for Penn State. They need to win if they're going to get to the college football playoff. Michael, appreciate the time, man. Thanks a lot. And uh, by the way, I'm playing in the Pickle Boo next Friday. I'm playing singles, so wish me luck, man. Good luck. I, I was just pulling up my, my scores from my appearance last year, and I played double, so you're a brave man to, to take it on singles and do it on your own. Was there a crowd watching you guys? <laughs> yeah, there, there was a good crowd and good energy, and you know, people. we had great costumes. I, I probably don't want to share it with the whole listening audience, but I can text you. Uh, John Laser and I went with uh, the skeleton tuxedo costume look <laughs> to get into the, the Halloween spirit, and we actually uh, we got a prize and a trophy for the best Best costumes, best outfits. We didn't do oh. as well on the court. <laughs> Maybe I need to dress up. Mike, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. 0910. It's AWOD and Stubb here on the fan. Stubb, you go by Stubb because of how much you like to go to the movies. Did you go out to the movies this weekend? Did not. Taylor's the only thing out right now. Okay. So not not much. But Thursday, I will be there for Scorsese. Oh, really? Always What there. is it called? Flowers of the Killers Moon? Killers of the Flower Moon. Have you seen? There's a lot of talk that the movie is too long. Yes. Yeah. I was going to ask you that. Because... I say if it's a good movie, there's no such thing as too long. I've I... sat through all the Lord of the Rings, sat through a ton of long movies. If it's a good movie, the length doesn't matter to me. I agree. Yeah. However, yes. there are too many movies that are long and bad. Like Dune. Recently. Like, like Dune. Like, like Dune. Like Dune. We, no, we both agree. Yes, we hate Dune. <laughs> Dune. I mean, I, and they're making a Dune too. Yeah. And it's going to be long as hell too. Yep. It's It was boring. They, I could, was they should call bored. Dune 2, the, the long-ass boring movie. Yeah, it's it's like, you know, you get Oppenheimer, and that's yeah. three hours, and yeah. I'm there, and I'm enjoying it. But, like, Marvel, they're doing these two-and-a-half movies, and yeah. I'm... So I just pulled up a list of the best long movies. Forrest Gump, 
Very long. Love it. Yeah. One of my great. favorites. 2001 A Space Odyssey. Love one Didn't of my you favorites. just watch that recently? Just watched it. It's one of my favorites already. Saving Private Ryan. It goes on and on and on. Everyone's getting killed. All this war mm. action. But it's so great. And it comes full circle. The Godfather. Titanic. Yeah. Casablanca. My dad's favorite movie. Lawrence of Arabia. All these long movies are excellent. You can have a good long movie. Absolutely. Yeah. But you can... But... If it's bad yeah. and it's long, that makes it worse. That makes it really it's, it's a, yeah. No, me, me and my friends like to call them tight 90s. <laughs> a, a movie that's an hour and a half is a tight 90. Yeah. That's, you know, you, sometimes you want that. Yeah, no, you're <laughs> so, right. Sometimes, you know, you want to just watch it, get it over with, move yeah. on. All right, let's talk about the latest with Hollywood and entertainment here on Netflix. Netflix, the best of streaming services, TV, movies, books, podcasts, and more. We've got you covered on Netflix. All right, I'll go first, Stubb. In news broken by Bloomberg earlier this week, Netflix will be opening the first two Netflix houses. Netflix houses where fans can play, shop, and eat in early 2025 with a mix of retail food and live theatrics. The houses will be something of a modernized, experience-first theater. Visitors may be able to try... A Squid Game obstacle course, for instance. But whether fans uh, will actually be able to attend screenings of Netflix shows is still unclear. But they're making these houses here. What do you think of this idea? I also saw this. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it, it's it's like we're going back to our roots. Yeah. We're almost back to Blockbuster. Yep, yep. <laughs> Go I mean, it, it seems like it's a long-term strategy because you're not just going to build two houses. You're seeing how no. they work. And then you know, hopefully you'll have 150 like you have AMC and Regal. Yeah, I, I think they're going for more of like a like a laser tag kind of crowd. Oh, like really? it's like yeah, like the Squid Game obstacle course oh, okay. with like some also like food. Yeah, it's like I a mall. I could see it in a mall. Harry Potter World, Galaxy's Edge, pop up restaurants and, and stuff like that. Uh, so they want it to be like an experience first theater. Yeah, like an all in one theater. Like like no nowadays we have uh, in Northern Virginia, Northern Virginia Alamo Draft House. You go, it's a restaurant, it's a bar, they bring you beer, there's waitresses that come to you. That's kind of the yeah, new there's age a, theater. There's a place called Ovation. Oh, in, in, in Richmond? In, in, uh, yeah, like Midlow area. Oh, really? Or at least there was when I was in high school, uh -huh. so I don't know if they've lasted like the, like through COVID. Yeah. I don't cause, But they'll bring full meals to your seat. Yeah, and I like that. Yeah. I'm it's, all it, for that. They usually have cheaper tickets, too, because they're making money on the food. So yeah, if, and it, They got point. nice seats. How about, how about this idea, all right? Set up little pods. With two or three or four seats, a 50-inch TV, close it off, give it surround sound, and so it's like you go into a theater and there's 20 pods instead of everyone watching the same thing. That way you could pause it, run to the bathroom. If you don't like the movie, you could go to a different one. What do you think of that I'm idea? seeing an immediate issue. Okay. You put a couple in that pod. It's I don't want to work pod. there. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I think that's gonna happen. Yeah, I, there's I, gonna be a lot of meow text. There's gonna be a lot of meows, <laughs> a lot of meows being heard in yeah. those pods. All right, maybe that's I, not a great idea. I, maybe we have to do pods uh, for older adults. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that way we know they're just gonna watch the movie. They're not gonna be doing. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know, man. I know a lot of people that have worked in old folks' homes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what stories you want to bring up on Netflix today? Well, real quick, I think we should talk about Survivor. Okay, because it's. It's starting to get this. I'm liking this season now. 
You are. I love how bad Team Yellow is. They have to be known as the worst tribe of all time. So much so that the producers said, we got to stop this mess. They're going to be out of people in three more weeks. There's not going to be a merge, but they're going to change tribes. They're gonna, yeah, they're going to switch it around, maybe night. even things out. Yeah. So, are you liking the show enough that you're watching it live? No. Because I'm not. No. Uh, last year, I liked the season enough that I was watching live because I want to participate on Twitter. Survivor's big on Twitter. A lot of people mm-hmm. throw their thoughts out there. But this season's not good enough for me to watch it live. No, and I don't think if you and I liked it, I would. Yeah. I, I hate the ads. I love being able to watch it real yeah. quick, get it out of the way. Yeah. But it's so interesting that you have two teams that have made it through three weeks without, without losing, losing anyone. anyone. Yeah, and they're all finding hidden immunity. Yeah, they're, they're making becoming like alliances. blue teams got like six alliances between yeah. the six people. It's crazy. It, yeah. It's and I, I'm I'm so interested with the with the swaps. Yeah. Well, I I believe. All right. If you haven't caught up on Survivor, that's that's your fault. I believe though that there this switch they're gonna do is gonna help my already hot take, Caleb. From the terrible yellow team will be your winner. I'm I'm a Brando supporter. Which one's Brando? He's on blue team. He's the Asian guy on the blue team. Oh, okay. Small the guy. Skinny he, guy. A skinny guy. You like I, him? I like him. I think right. I, he he seems to have a good social. What game. about the lawyer that's like just a terrible lawyer? <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't. That guy's Jake, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, Jake. I'm not I'm not getting good vibes from Jake. Yeah. All right, so that was pretty good. Netflix. Uh, there was some other story I wanted to bring up here. Oh. You know, Netflix is going to get into streaming video games. That story coming up tomorrow on AWOD Radio. You're listening to the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, Grant and Danny. Granny coming up next on The Fan.